Hello and welcome to another episode of the Cyberwork with InfoSec podcast. Each week I sit down with a different industry thought leader to discuss the latest cybersecurity trends and how those trends are affecting the work of InfoSec professionals, as well as tips for those trying to break in or move up the ladder in the cybersecurity industry. Today's guest is Lauren McCaslin, the Vulnerability Verification Team Lead, Threat Research Center at White Hat Security. One of the focus points of the CyberWork podcast is to introduce our listeners to interesting job titles that they may not have considered uh, before when considering a career in cybersecurity. So Lauren is going to tell us about uh, vulnerability verification specialist as a, a career opportunity and, uh, and what it's all about. Lauren McCaslin is a vulnerability verification specialist with application security leader White Hat Security. She's based in the Houston, Texas Threat Research Center, where she analyzes findings produced by automated AppSec scanners and determines whether or not companies' assets are vulnerable to attack. Lauren, thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Uh, so I'd like to start the show like we always do by getting a little bit of a background on our guest. Um, how when did you first start getting interested in computers and security? Is this something that you were always interested in or did it come later in life? So, um, you know, I grew up in the generation of MySpace and AIM okay. and Facebook and all of that. So I definitely had, um, you know, tech in my life as yep. as I grew up. Um, so it's always been an interest. Um, I think that really um, it became a focus um, when the media started uh, doing more on, um, you know, hacking attacks, um, you know, different things that were just being more publicized. Mm -hmm. So um, I actually use that as a jump off to sort of seek out an opportunity at White Hat. And here I am. Uh, do you remember any particular uh, hack or event in the news that especially sort of excited you when you were coming up? I think it was just the the volume of like, okay. uh, you know, information leakage and stuff like that coming out and sure. data security, all of that. Mm -hmm. so there was the, there was this sort of sense that this is a pervasive issue that that you could jump in and sort of help with. Exactly. Uh, so for those, good. Oh, sorry. sorry about that. What would you say? Um, uh, I was just saying it makes you feel like you're, you know, doing something good for the world. Right. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. We've had, we've had several guests who uh, uh, decided at one point to um, be on the side of the good guys and a few that, you know, had the choice to possibly be back. <laughs> so, right. um, uh, so for those who aren't familiar with the, the job title, um, what exactly is a vulnerability verification specialist? What does your position entail? Right. Well, um, like you mentioned at the beginning, um, mm -hmm. we do have an automated scanner. So here at White Hat, that means we're going to be verifying um, our automated scanner findings mm -hmm. to see whether or not they're legitimate threats to our clients. Okay. So um, so uh, sort of walk me through a, an ordinary day as a vulnerability verification specialist. How do you, where do you start your day? What time of day are you, you know, on task? What are the points of highest intensity in the day? Things like that. Um, well, we do have, you know, flexible scheduling, but mm -hmm. a common day, you know, we do a nine to five style mm -hmm. um, workload. Um, we'll analyze any threats that come in from our automated scanner. Um, and when necessary, we'll write up custom proof concepts um, to kind of explain to our clients how we're able to exploit the vulnerability, give them steps to reproduce it themselves so mm -hmm. that they're, you know, we can empower them to um, correct the issue. Um, we also do some one-on-one -on -one discussions with our clients. So okay. they're able to reach out to us directly and ask us questions about the vulnerabilities, um, ask us about remediation plans, things like that. Um, and then we also do retesting. So uh, mm -hmm. if our clients believe that they've 
put a fix in, um, they can request uh, for us to go in and retest the finding manually to see whether or not the vulnerability still remains. And if it does, we'll update them on exactly how it's changed, why it's so vulnerable, all of that. Okay. Do you have sort of a, a flow chart when, when a vulnerability comes in from one of your clients? Do you, you know, do you, I start with this and I look at this and, and, or is it different from each with each attack? Um, we have some guides we do, um, uh, that we, our team follows, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, not every vulnerability is the same. So right. it's definitely going to be, um, however the application is behaving. Um, so we just use the guide as a baseline and then kind of build from there. Okay. Um, do you have certain job tasks that you perform pretty much every day and, and what are your favorite aspects of the job? Yeah. Um, I think that my favorite part of the job is definitely getting that one-on-one interaction with the clients. Um, it's really rewarding when you feel like you're helping them understand, um, and our, our contacts are not always technical. So I really enjoy, um, kind of doing the high level explanation. Um, and it's, super rewarding whenever they um, come back and say, oh, thank you. I understand now. Now I can go back to my dev team and explain to them. Um, so that's probably my, my favorite aspect. Um, the highest intensity, I would say, is probably trying to get through a blacklist. Um, yeah. you know, some people might not find that very thrilling, but <laughs> I definitely do. I think um, it's one of the more high intensity aspects because we're sitting there and we know that we might be able to break in um, and get some cross-site scripting, but they're filtering several different things that we would try to use. So, mm. um, you know, just trying to find that um, that one injection that will work is really, really fun. So that that's it's, it's sort of has that feeling of a mystery to be solved. Yeah, it's like a like a capture the flag. Okay, okay. Um, all right. So um, what's what are, what sets of uh, skills or experiences or certifications or professional recognitions or combination of all of them uh, should our listeners be working toward if they want to move into a position like this vulnerability verification specialist? Um, I mean, I think that the the basic is a really good understanding of JavaScript and HTML. Okay. Um, I think that if you have that good baseline and you have a passion for learning, mm-hmm. um, you have a really good start. Um, I would think that they could go and do some self-study on, you know, OWASP and use some of those references, you know, just Google different um, web application attacks. Okay. Um, as far as certifications go, um, you know, some cl- uh, some companies do list them as requirements. Mm-hmm. Um, so it can be helpful, but uh, I would say, you know, CEH or Certified Ethical Hacker is one that I think is um, helpful. Uh, GWAPT, it's a GIAC cert. Um, uh, OWSE is a new one from um, Offensive Security that I think is really interesting. Okay. Um, so I think that would probably be a good one to to seek out. What was your sort of educational track? Did you did you take computer science in college? Did you do cert studies? Did you self teach? Yeah, so I think that I definitely have a non traditional background. Okay. Um, I don't have a technical degree. Mm-hmm. Um, I came into this field, and I'm lucky that White Hat does have a very good training program. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, you know, focus on learning uh, in depth about all of the different web attacks, um, and I think that just that, in a combination with having, like I said, that passion and that interest for learning more about it, um, right. has led me to where I am now. Okay. Um, what is uh, one thing that listeners might think is important to learn to be a vulnerability verification spe- specialist, but actually isn't? Like, what are some of potential career shifters shouldn't bother with? Are there certain certs or certain 
uh, skills that they, they think they need to learn, but are, you don't really ever use them in, in your position? Um, you know, I think touching back on my own journey, um, mm -hmm. you know, you don't have to have a technical degree. Um, okay. I think that's a common misconception. I think it is beneficial because like I said, it gives you that good baseline, um, but it's not necessary. Um, same thing with the certifications. If you're thinking about switching jobs, you don't need to go off and get every technical cert that you can think of. Um, I think the best things that you can do are, you know, the self-study. Um, mm -hmm. There's a lot of different options online nowadays. Um, you can do courses, for, you know, boot camps for um, learning more about code. Um, so there's just so many resources um, that you can use just by Googling. Okay. So in general, um, uh, vulnerability verification specialists as sort of a career, where do they sort of stand in a corporate hierarchy? Are they, I know you work, you work for White Hat, but are they normally employed by a company or do they work freelance? Is it, is it largely an in-house kind of thing or how does it work? There are so many different levels. Um, you know, at, at White Hat, it is an entry-level position. Um, but at other companies, I know that it's a little bit higher up um, in the mm -hmm. hierarchy. Um, and you don't have to work at a company if you want to do this style of work. Um, there's bug bounty programs out there. Um, mm -hmm. So if you do find that this is interesting for you and you want to earn a little income, um, you can go seek out bug bounty programs. Um, and that's a good way to earn a little extra money. Have you done that before? Or? Um, I've looked into them. I've never actually okay. submitted one, but okay. yeah. Cool. Uh, so in the interest of not making this all silver linings with no dark cloud, what, what are the least interesting or most repetitive parts of the job? Not necessarily at your job, but like vulnerability verification specialist in general. What are the parts of the job that wake you up at 2 a.m. or, you know, bug on weekends or whatever? <laughs> Um, I think that's something that is kind of a struggle is um, imparting the importance of application security in general. Hmm. I think a lot of companies really rely heavily on the defensive side okay. and they're not necessarily considering um, the offensive side. So I think that really, if you want to have strong application security, you need to have the full spectrum. You know, hmm. you need to have that good security posture and you have to be checking at multiple levels. Okay, so what would you recommend that most most companies do that they're not doing right now? What what sort of implementations would you suggest? I would say just have some scanning. Um, you know, do that offensive. Don't just rely on your your firewall. Um, yeah, don't wait until they're already in. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. hmm. Okay. Um, so we already talked a little bit about um, certs. Uh, do you and you, what was the, what was the new one that you said that that's coming up? What was what was that? OWSE. Um, oh, yeah. The same people who do OSCP, which is um, mm. highly regarded. Um, I think that uh, their new one is for advanced web attacks and exploitation. So okay. really interesting. Um, I'm definitely going to myself uh, look into that a bit more. But I think that one is probably going to be really cool. You think certain certs are on the rise and certain ones are becoming sort of less desirable to um, HR departments and so forth? Um, I think in general, certs are a really good way to get your foot in the door because, you know, companies see it and they say, oh, you know, this person might have really good experience. But sometimes when you talk to people who have the cert, um, you're like, um, maybe unimpressed at, you know, where they're at as compared to somebody who just maybe has that job experience. So, you know, you really have to weigh it out, um, whether or not that's going to be that thing that propels you to the next level. Okay. Uh, so for listeners who might want to transition to this type of work, say they're maybe in a help desk position or maybe not even in 
tech at all, but they feel stuck in their current position. What's what's one action that they could begin today that would get them, you know, one step closer to a career as vulnerability verification specialist? Um, I think it depends on where they're at. You know, if mm-hmm. they are in a coding position, they have that strong background already. I would say that the next step would be to look up some um like Google capture the flags or there's um, some XSS challenges that you can Google online. Like Yamagata is one that we use here. Um, Code Academy is good for that. People Mm -hmm. who don't have that code background, W3 schools, you Mm -hmm. know, there's a lot of online resources. It just depends on what level of technical expertise you're starting at. Okay. Um, So I want to circle back to another thing you mentioned before about that you enjoy the communication with the clients and sort of explaining to them, you know, what happened and what you caught and and so forth. So sort of tell me a little bit about the the communication toolbox that a vulnerability verification specialist needs to have. You're talking to them one-on-one, but I imagine you're also, are you preparing reports? Are you preparing uh, charts or graphs or anything like that? Or like, how do you get the point across? So um, in our world, we have um, a communication platform called Sentinel. So our clients will reach out to us. We have an ask a question feature. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's all written correspondence. Um, We do have another team that handles the verbal correspondence. Mm -hmm. Um, But for us, all of our... um, all of our information is housed within our Sentinel platform. So the clients already have all that information. We already have all that information. So when we're going back and forth with them, we're generally talking about a very specific vulnerability. So, you know, we talk to developers, we talk to, you know, SecOps, we talk to just the full spectrum of clients. Um, And it really ranges um, on what we're talking about from, you know, minute technical details to just like overall understanding of our um, methodology and why something is vulnerable in general. So it's a it's a wide range. Yeah. Okay, so it sounds like there's also, uh, you know, a premium on people who are able to take high level concepts and explain them to people who might not otherwise have tech backgrounds, but also being able to be on par with people who do have high, you know, tech backgrounds. You're sort of working on two sides of the fence. Yeah, I definitely, I definitely think so. I think, you know, um, having those strong communication skills is Mm -hmm. helpful, but um, that's something again, that white hat sort of helps people on their journey um, with a lot of coaching. Um, You know, we have training programs specifically related to talking to clients. So we, we try really hard to make sure that um, we're well equipped. Okay. Um, tell me a little bit about, I, I saw on your, your LinkedIn page and in your bio that you are a member of a group called Women of White Hat. Uh, we know that women in tech and cybersecurity fields are underrepresented and, and they often face barriers to entry and retention. Uh, so what are some of the strategies that this group is using to attract women to White Hat, foster their growth in the organization and move toward gender parity at all levels of the organization? So um, the Women of White Hat group actually started as just a chat channel um, Mm -hmm. because we do have three locations. So we have our San Jose office, we have our Houston office, and we also have an office in Belfast, Northern Ireland. Mm. Um, So that's how we initially started. And it was just sort of a way to encourage, support, um, offer mentorship. Um, And then it sort of expanded recently. And we actually had an event at our headquarters in San Jose um, where we had some guest speakers speakers come in to talk about um, career growth, um, personal development, work-life balance, you know, all of those amazing things. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, we also got a chance to go to the Women in Silicon Valley Tech Conference, which okay. was amazing. We heard some really powerful speakers. 
Um, I think that just having a group um, is a good first step. You know, we're working on making it more formalized, getting some chairs um, Mm -hmm. and having, you know, our office locations have chapters. So we're definitely on our journey there. But I think that that's a really good step in the right direction to kind of showing women that we are a diverse company where Mm -hmm. we seek that out and we want to promote inclusion as best we can. And and I assume there's sort of sort of mentoring with with you know veteran people and newcomers and so forth and yeah absolutely mm-hmm. uh, so how how can we make the tech industry understand that more women in tech ultimately makes the entire industry stronger and more capable of solving problems in new and in, in innovative ways I think that um, it goes back to really making sure that your company knows the data points um, mm-hmm. you know it's it's statistically proven that diverse teams um, perform better. Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, if you're at a company that maybe doesn't prioritize diversity inclusion, um, speak up, you know, say Mm -hmm. something about it, Um, gather some statistics yourself and show that to them, Um, make a case for it, try to work with your HR department to get something in place to try to, you know, take that first step to get some more diverse um, candidates. there's a lot of different things that you can do, but I think the first step is, yeah, say something about it. Okay. Um, so uh, what tips would you give to women entering the world of security? Uh, what are some of the pernicious pitfalls that you've learned to sidestep over the years? And what recommendations would you give to organizations uh, to make their corporate culture more welcoming to a diverse workspace? So I think um, the advice that I was get, would give is don't be afraid to ask questions. I know that when I first started, because I didn't have that technical background, sometimes I shied away from asking questions when I had them and I would try to go research them myself. I think that that was something that, um, I didn't need to do. Um, I should have just spoken up, not been afraid of, you know, the imposter syndrome in me. Um, so I think that that's a huge part of it. Just be brave, ask the questions because you're never going to get that information that you need if you don't ask the question. Um, I think the pitfalls that I dealt with, um, assuming the worst, you know, okay. that's something that you definitely have to learn is stop assuming the worst um, when you're communicating with people. Always try to assume the best intentions. And if there's any issues that you run into, don't be afraid to kind of pull that person aside and work with them one on one to try to find out. Um, what you can do differently to communicate better or more effectively. Um, So I think that those things are important. Uh, I think that what I would recommend to companies um, is to build diversity into your hiring process. Um, So I was mentioning, um, you know, reach out to, if you're hiring for entry-level positions, reach out to nearby colleges um, that have that diversity profile that you're looking for. Mm -hmm. Or if you're looking for a little bit of a higher level, maybe professional groups in the area, same thing. Um, Those those that mimic your uh, diversity profile. And that will help you get a more diverse candidate pool. Um, I think the other part of it that people don't necessarily consider as much is to make sure that you also have a diverse um, interview panel. It's not just one side um, because, you know, the biases are unconscious. So you got to make sure that you have um, diversity at every step. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, Thank you. So um, moving uh, back to the sort of position itself, um, something I just thought of, what did, uh, so what are the sort of next steps after, if, if you're a vulnerability verification specialist, uh, you know, what's the next sort of step up the ladder? Like where, where do you start? And then 
where, where can this take you, you know, on the way up in the company? Right. So um, here we do have, um, we're actually building it out right now, our application security expert program. Okay. Um, so we really want people to be well-rounded. So we want our um, employees to have an opportunity to work at various different um positions of application security. So we also offer static analysis testing. So we would prefer for our team to, you know, maybe jump off from the DAS side or dynamic security side to go into that static side and really learn both aspects. Hmm. Um, And then from there, maybe they can help us, um, you know, write rules for our automated scanning. So um, be more on the coding side of things. So there's there's a lot of uh, opportunity uh, for growth and development within White Hat to really get that well-rounded application security background. Okay. Yeah. So what, um, how does, how does that next step up the expert level? What is, how does that, um, I guess, differ as a position from vulnerability specialist? What, you know, what, how do your job roles and job responsibilities change at that point? Um, well, we each handle very specific aspects of, yeah. So, so the static team specifically works on that. DAS team specifically works on dynamic. Then we also have a manual testing team that does like, um, the more, um, they go into an application, they're looking for vulnerabilities. They don't have that scanner saying, hey, here, here's a potential. Um, so that would help, you know, if you want to go into, you know, a consulting position where you mm. are doing the full spectrum of testing. Um, right. That gives you that huge um, experience to really jump off into that next level. Okay. Uh, so what are, uh, as we wrap up today, what are some of the uh, exciting projects or tasks you're currently working on at White Hat? Um, well, right now we're working on automated scanning of API em- uh, endpoints. Okay. So that's a pretty cool project. Um, it's going to start beta in July, so um, just a couple weeks here. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's going to be really exciting. Um, it's an underprotected area compared to sites, and um, a lot of companies manage over 300 APIs, but they don't do any security testing. Mm. So I think that it's definitely an important aspect in. We're really excited for it. Okay. Uh, and what are, are there any trends or developments on the horizon in the coming years uh, for vulnerabilities and security that you're looking forward to or, or dreading? Um, I don't think so. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Just steady as she goes, huh? I think, I think it's all a journey. You know, we're all yeah. working together towards that journey. And it's mm-hmm. kind of, you know, we'll see what comes and we'll adapt. We'll yeah. iterate. You know, that's one of my right. favorite things. So, you know. It's all part of the fun of being an application security. Can't live in the future. It's not here yet. Exactly. Uh, so if listeners want to know more about Lauren McCaslin or White Hat, where can they go? Um, we do have a White Hat Twitter, and we oh. also have a blog for thought leadership. Great. Yep. You, you, uh, can you want to give me the address? Um, the www.whitehatsec.com. Okay. Whitehatsec.com. Yep. Okay. Very good. Uh, Lauren, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. Uh, And thank you all for listening and watching. If you enjoyed today's video, you can find many more on our YouTube page. Just go to youtube.com and type in CyberWork with InfoSec to check out our collection of tutorials, interviews, and past webinars. If you'd rather have us in your ears during your workday, all of our videos are also available as audio podcasts. Just search CyberWork with InfoSec in your favorite podcast catcher of choice. To see the current promotional offers available to podcast listeners and to learn more about our InfoSec Pro live boot camps, InfoSec Skills on Demand Training Library, and InfoSec IQ Security Awareness and Training Platform, go to infosecinstitute.com slash podcast or click the link in the description. Thanks once again to Lauren McCaslin and thank you all for watching and listening. We'll speak to you next week.